I remember sitting in the room, I was probably 32, 33 years old, and the other members were probably, oh, 50, 48. One of them was probably younger than me, 33, but she had this really gorgeous, authoritative look to her. And during the meeting, I remember thinking, I feel like a little kid. Even though they invited me to this special executive meeting and I had something really great to present, I did not feel like an adult. And I had this out-of-body experience, like I was watching myself in that room, and I started to feel really small and ashamed. Everyone else seemed so professional, so confident. And the words that I had been thinking about in the middle of the night to prepare and share just did not come out right. And I was really upset and thought to myself, I am 33 years old. When am I finally going to feel like an adult? And this didn't just happen on that one occasion. It happened whenever I was in the presence of people who were older than me or who had more authority or their title was greater or they had a better degree than me, any kind of parent uh, who was my parents' generation all the time. And it was so debilitating. Welcome to Asians Breaking Ceilings. I'm Jeannie Chai, founder of BambooMyth.com and confidence coach for Asian American female professionals. The goal of this podcast is to ignite your confidence, to empower you to overcome imposter syndrome so you can finally break that career ceiling and get what you want in life. In episode 12, we are finally talking about filial piety and the patriarchy and hierarchies that make women, and especially women of color, oftentimes feel like they are not equals. They are inferior. And so we have to discuss this about how to start dismantling this unsafe feeling where we feel like others are going to judge us or they won't think that we're important or we'll be called junior or inexperienced. All these fears get in the way, not just of our careers, but of our personal lives as well. If you want to find out what your biggest roadblock to success is, I've created a free assessment for Asian Americans that you can find in the show notes. And if you're enjoying this episode, please do leave a positive review for me at podchaser.com. I'd be so grateful. Let's jump into our show so we can help you overcome the fear of authority and to start living your best life. Hello, ceiling breakers. I want to ask you, what was your relationship to adults when you were a young child? Did you have a loving, caring, warm relationship? Or was it a bit cold, maybe formal, not a lot of warmth? Did your parents ever say, I love you? Yes, all this stuff matters. And, you know, if we look at any Asian channels or Facebook groups or subtle Asian traits and YouTube, there's a ton of jokes out there about Asian parenting and how they come after us with criticism and slippers and lots of manipulation to make us do things that we want. And some of it's funny, but unfortunately, a lot of these things, even if they were unintentional, even if they were subtle, and unfortunately not many of our parents were subtle. They're probably more direct and assertive and aggressive and authoritarian than subtle. But even if they were subtle, these things can influence us and carry all the way into our adult lives. So I've heard over and over again, many of us in our 30s and 40s have a really difficult time speaking with our boss. We're okay with our peers. We're okay with our families. When we get in front of an executive or someone who is senior to us, we lose our cool. 
And we start to worry that they're judging us or what we say will come across stupid. And I've heard this so often, I'm pretty sure it's linked to how many of us grew up. What I'm talking about here is filial piety, right? And how as young children, if you were ever taught that adults are always right, or your older brother who is just you know a year older than you is always right and you need to defer to them, then that's ingrained in your system. And even if it's 10 years later, 12 years later, what we learn as children tend to stick with us. And unfortunately, the, the emotionally difficult, the painful, traumatic experiences are the ones that stick with us. I feel like our brains are a bit like AI, but it's uh, not perfect. And so a lot of times our brain will remember times we were bullied or things that happen to us that are very uncomfortable, and it will come up with a plan. Our little young brains, our immature brains, will come up with a plan so that this will never happen again. And oftentimes the solution is actually worse than the problem. For instance, if you get bullied a lot for speaking because your English isn't perfect, the solution is don't talk. And that's why many of us have a very soft voice even to this day, right? If the problem was you asked for help on a math problem and the teacher made fun of you or said, how come you don't know that? Or if a parent was impatient with you, our solution, don't ask for help. Right? So we make these giant generalizations that still affect us when we are 40, 50 year old adults. And the reason this is a problem is because it creates a lot of stress. It creates anxiety. And it's also the reason that so many of us are still looking for validation from our work, from our bosses. Here's the problem. If you do some research, the general satisfaction of the American corporate world towards their bosses has been going down and down. At one point, it was 50% of people were happy with their bosses. I think that number is closer to 20% nowadays if you Google that, which means if you have a boss that is not really competent, who doesn't know how to support you, who's not empathetic, or who's downright toxic, and we as Asian Americans are trained to look to our boss for support and validation, we're screwed, right? Which is why so many of us have this anxious relationship. And the minute our eyes pop open, we're already nervous about what might be in the email. Many of us, I know, get pinged last minute on a Friday night for extra work. And because we've been conditioned and trained to think that our boss is always right, we're gonna give up whatever activity, whatever thing we had planned Friday to do the work that we're asked to do. This kind of conditioning really is one of the reasons that creates anxiety that doesn't allow us to have work-life balance. And I know for myself, create a ton of over, over-commitment, over-achievement. And it's not even fun while you do it, right? It's one thing to, to work great hours because you have a wonderful project or something you love that you're putting time into. Like when I sing new songs, when I'm playing piano, I can do that for five, six hours and be lost in a world of joy. But when you are overworking because you're afraid of your boss, that is, that's not joy usually, right? There's a habit, there's an adrenaline rush, there's that sense of stress and cortisol being released. But when you're done, it's exhaustion that, that greets you. It's maybe resentment or maybe hunger because you've skipped three meals today to get that done. And your family certainly isn't happy. 
right? Maybe their kids are too young and they just miss you and they know that mommy's busy, but as they get older, they're going to become resentful and sad that you didn't get to spend time with them. And so this one issue of filial piety contributes, I believe, to a lot of what Asian Americans are experiencing as stress in their careers. Let's go back and review some of the incidences that might still be haunting you today. This stuff matters. This stuff matters. Do you think of adults as being trustworthy, of being kind? Do you trust yourself to speak and be yourself in front of an adult? Or have you learned to tiptoe around choosing your words very carefully, kind of having your antenna out to see if the adult is going to be nice today or not, or if they're in a bad mood? If you lived in that environment, you're always going to be overly cautious, right? With any new adult, even your own partner, because that's the environment you grew up in. And over and over again, what I see to be true is whatever the child is used to growing up is what they're most familiar with. So if you've grown up in a ton of stress and chaos, you're going to be really familiar with stress and chaos. If you grew up being afraid of adult figures, most likely you're carrying that into your workplace. And if it's not working out for you, if it creates anxiety, high blood pressure, right, headaches and migraines and sicknesses because it's too much stress, you're the one that has permission to do something about it. And I'm going to get to that in part two, but part one, I want to discuss and remember with you what kind of situations affected you. I remember loving my life from about age zero to four. I can't remember actually age zero, but I remember up to age four, I had shared this in an earlier episode that I grew up in Taiwan with my grandma and grandpa, and they had something like seven kids. My mother was the oldest, so she came to America with my dad, and I got to live in Taiwan in this four-story townhome. There was always partying, people playing chess and games and singing and karaoke, and it was just a big party. I got to go to the farmer's market with my grandma every day. I love my life. Again, not much discipline, but definitely a lot of fun. And one of my aunts, who was the music teacher, would take me to concerts and I got to go to these amazing classical concerts. She was a singer. My grandpa would take me to the amusement park and zoos. And oh, it was just so much fun. And I had a big personality. I remember my grandmother ran a company and I would talk to the adults like I was their equal. I'd go, hey, good to see you this morning. What did you get done? You know, And had a very big personality, outgoing and not afraid of anything. That quickly changed when I came to the United States. First of all, did not speak English very well. I remember getting laughed at at school. And already that created an instant shrink, a shrinkage of my personality. I don't want to speak up anymore because people would laugh at me every, every other day when I would say something and pronounce it incorrectly. Unfortunate, you know, not intentional on the children's part, but unfortunate. And so one of the areas I thought I could still shine was in Chinese school. How many of you had to go to Chinese school on the weekends on Saturday morning? I remember my dad was so sweet. I can still see the book. It was like a little blue book with white pandas on the front. And there was book one, book two, book three. I think I went every single year and finished up to book six. But, you know, I was excited 
because I thought, hey, I know how to speak Chinese. That's or speak Mandarin. That's what I learned as a first language. And so my confidence came back. I went to the school with all these other kids that looked like me. So again, this feeling of excitement, right? That I finally belong. And there was this teacher there with short hair, and I wanted to impress her. You know, or my old personality came back, which is always raise your hand, always speak up. And she was asking things like, "How do you say bird in Chinese?" And I would raise my hand, and she'd call me. I go xiao niao, and she'd go nope. And I was really confused. I'm like, what? That's what my grandma taught me, right? And then she would say, how do you say rabbit? And I'd again raise my hand five minutes later, so I've recovered. And she'd go, what, what is it, eating? And I go, xiao bai tu. And she'd go, nope. Or she'd go, but way, really loud. And I hated that. To this day, I am 50 years old. And I remember this because it was humiliating. There was no warmth in her voice. There was almost this joy I felt in her voice to tell me that I was wrong. And if you're not Mandarin speaking, what happened was the word for bird is niao. And I said xiao niao, which means little bird. And she said no, right? And the thing I said for rabbit is supposed to be tu. I said xiao bai tu, which is little white rabbit, because I guess in most Chinese children's books, the rabbit is a little white rabbit. So I thought little white rabbit was rabbit. In any case, it was a little bit off. She didn't have to say no and give this stern look of disapproval. And from that moment on, I didn't want to be in that class. I did not like teachers because they would pronounce my name wrong. I didn't really like school because there's a place where I'd get laughed at. And now even in Chinese school where I was hoping I would at least fit in, I was being ostracized by my teacher. I believe that still affected me because to this day, um, I still remember that. It wasn't just in those situations as well. Unfortunately, at home, like many of you, we probably grew, grew up with more a authoritarian kind of parent. And by that, I mean, if mom says something, it's, it's true. If mom says to do it, you have to do it because I'm your parent. So in those situations, we very early on learn to defer. We learn that whatever mom said, we'd follow. And I don't know about you, I did not grow up ever questioning my parents. Uh, there was a sad situation where probably from, oh, I don't, I'm not too sure. I, I had a weak, uh, a weak bronchial system. And so every winter, if I went outside in the snow, it was probably croup, in the cold weather, I would cough. And unfortunately, I would cough late at night. I'd be coughing, 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 and I would have my mother would give me this pipaco, which is like this low quat honey syrup thing you can buy in Chinese medicine stores, and I'd have to drink this in the middle of the night so that I would stop coughing. Thankfully, it worked really well, but sometimes I was afraid to go to my mom because, of course, she's sleeping right, and I feel really guilty bothering her. So you know, enter being afraid to ask for help for almost the rest of my life because she would be physically tired and she'd get really anxious. I don't think she was mad, but her anxiety and her exasperation made me feel like I was a total pain in the butt. And so I would try to hide in my room and and cough and go back to bed, but I would wait too long. So unfortunately, TMI, I would end up throwing up everywhere. And so every time this happened my mom would act like I was a pain in the butt, like it was my fault. 
And this is not really a form of filial piety, but it, it just made me feel like I was perpetually bothersome, right? I'm always bothering an authority with my problems, with my issues, and creating difficulties for other people. There was no compassion. There was no tenderness. There was no hug. There was no, oh, honey, I'm so sorry you're sick. It was just more like, ay that kind of stuff, right? And the ay doesn't doesn't communicate love at all. And then she had to wake up and clean up the sheets and everything. So that was very, very, very scary for me. I just felt like I wanted to disappear. I felt like I wanted to go back to Taiwan, actually. When my grandmother dropped me off, when my grandmother dropped me off, I thought she was going to return. But she, she said, I'll be back. And she wasn't back. She, she'd gone back to Taiwan. I kept writing letters to my grandma saying, where are you? Please take me back because this environment was so hard. And again, I'm, I'm not sharing these things so that you can feel sorry for me and email me, but I want you to remember the same things that happened to you. Because unfortunately, this is the baggage that people talk about, you know, emotional damage to copy Stephen Hay on YouTube. These things, these things stay with us into our adult life if we don't learn how to process them. By process, I mean, tell the truth, see the truth. So as an adult now, I look back at me being sick and realize, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault. I didn't ask for a weak system that would cough like crazy every time it was cold. And as a parent, you sign up to take care of that child with loving kindness and love. And if you're going to be harsh and critical, that poor kid is going to think it's their fault. Right. So I can look back now and go, I didn't do anything wrong. I can go back now and look at the incident where that Chinese school teacher was so harsh and told me I was wrong. I, w I wouldn't have done that if I were a teacher. I would say, oh, really close. You know, how can you fix it to make it absolutely right? Not no. So there was a sense of harshness there. Right? I can go back and understand that as an adult now. And as children, though, we are left feeling humiliated. We are left feeling stupid. We are left feeling like we don't know what we're doing and we're a pain in the butt. And if we carry those feelings with us, we're never going to be comfortable with ourselves in an environment in which there is an authority because the existing program, our subconscious says in, uh, in authority situations where there's an authority, I make a fool of myself, right? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm causing problems. I'm stuttering. I'm saying the wrong things. I am not enough. And this is the big damaging part of Asian culture that really needs to be addressed because giving a kid fruit is not going to help them recover <laughs> once you've made a huge mistake. If you're slapping your kids around physically and emotionally abusing them, cutting them orange slices is not going to teach that child how to grow up to be a healthy adult who knows how to talk and behave around authority figures. And it took me 50 years to figure this out. The good news is we're having this discussion now. So whether you're listening to this and you're 20 or 30 or 40 years old or 60 years old, it's it, there's time for you to change. There's time for you to fix this so you don't have to keep suffering that authority anxiety that so many of us carry. I've said this in a previous podcast, but we were at a large uh well-known Fortune 500 company. And we did a survey of the Asian ERG group and said, what's your biggest fear? And 40% said to disappoint our parents. And these are, these are parents in their 70s, perhaps, and 80s, who didn't even grow up in the United States. And obviously, the ones who grew up here, the children, 
have a lot more social understanding of what it's like to be in the United States. Our education level is higher, but we're still deferring to our parents as if they know best about our lives. Maybe they know best about their lives, you know, where to eat, how to manage their own lives. But for our lives, when does that handover take place? When did you feel like you finally got to have ownership of your own life? That you started to make your own decisions, that you started to trust yourself, that you could could be yourself and have your own opinions and validate them and not needing someone older or wiser to tell you what to do. For many of us listening, Maybe we've never even had that handover, and that's why we still feel like kids. Before we continue the second half of our program, I want to remind you to please leave me a review on podchaser.com if you've enjoyed these episodes. If you want to find out what your biggest roadblock is, go ahead and take the free quiz that I've created for you in the show notes, and you can find out if you are the criticizer, the evader, or the def- And these next episodes will help you identify what to start changing so you can have more authentic success without all the stress. Now let's get back to our program. There are three areas I noticed in which filial piety and fear of authority really interferes and causes stress in our career. The first one we already spoke about is we are really afraid to say no to our bosses. In my seven years of working with hundreds of women, what I hear over and over again is my boss will text me when it's, you know, 4 p.m. on a Friday and say, can you get these done for me? And most of us want to be helpful. Most of us want to make our bosses look good. And so we'll get it done for them. But then we have to log back in later that night at 9 p.m. or maybe we're working on the weekend because we are out of time and our plates are already full. What's especially sad about this is many of us have really high work ethics ever since we were little. By that, I mean we, in the same amount of time, get more done than the average employee. And what that says is you're not getting rewarded because you're fast and efficient. You're actually getting punished because people know who to go to who's going to get the stuff done. And again, the hardest workers in corporate America past a certain level, mid-level and up, all we get for the reward is more work. We get job stability in the sense that we're we're probably not going to get fired because we do the job of three people and we're getting paid for one. And I want to be honest with you. If you're one of those people that can't say no, how is that going for you? When you were younger, you probably could pull all-nighters and be okay the next day. But don't you feel your body starting to give away? Don't you feel the effect of this kind of exhaustion? It's getting harder and harder. And what's the reward? Is everything that your boss is asking you really uh, immediate, immediately necessary? Can't it wait until Monday? And so what we need to start practicing is saying no. And I'm going to give you directions on how to do that. But first, I'm going to share what the second area that filial piety affects us. And that is we are afraid to be ourselves. We are afraid to actually speak up. 
and talk about all the amazing things that we've done. We think that our hard work will actually show itself and others will see it. I know when I was little, one time, one time when I was young, I remember telling my mom I got straight A's and there wasn't this jumping up and down. There wasn't excitement. There wasn't a sense of pride. I know my American friends, kids, would get paid like five bucks per A. And that made me so angry. So I think it's even harder than having everyone be the same social class, right? And the same race. So if, if, for instance, you grew up in Taiwan and everybody's parents were like this, you would feel okay. But because we're living in a mixed race, mixed demographic society where some kids are getting paid for A's and you go home and you say, I got straight A's and the mother just goes, okay, well, that's your job, right? Mommy cleans the house, daddy works and Jeannie gets straight A's. That feels really, really bad. And you can, you can still hear in my voice the sadness and the anger of having such an unfair system. And you start to realize I don't get appreciated. You start to feel that everything that I do that is considered amazing for other kids is just normal for me. And so not only do I have the stress of needing to be perfect, I will get punished. I will get punished if I don't keep this up. And that's how we begin to look for validation. Many of us look for validation from our boss. We want to hear the words, good job. We want to hear them say, great job, you're going to be promoted. And that's why it hurts so much. And we take it personally when we expect that promotion or they've promised that promotion and then it doesn't happen because it brings up old memories, right, of being not validated. And again, this is so culturally ingrained. It's not your fault. It's not your personality. So don't blame yourself that you feel bad and you complain or you feel like it's unfair. Emotions are accurate. You are allowed to feel every emotion you have. And so if you're feeling treated badly or disrespected or or uncomfortable or disappointed, there's a reason for those emotions. And we need to learn how to deal and manage those emotions instead of stuffing them or blaming ourselves for even having bad feelings. When we continually defer to our boss, it creates a power dynamic, right? So if you have a kind, supportive boss, like I said, 20% of bosses out there, perhaps, you, you might be okay. You'll still be overworked, but at least you'll be appreciated. If you have, you know, the other 80% of bosses that are, you know, neutral at best and, and toxic at worst, you're going to have a really hard time because they're not going to say thank you. When it's time for a promotion, you'll tell them that you did everything they asked and then they'll go, oh, no, you didn't. You didn't do this, this, and this. And so you'll go back next year and you'll do those three things. You'll come back the next year and they'll go, nope, nope, you didn't get it. This time we know we have, there'll be always another reason why. And this is the third problem that filial piety causes is number three, the consequence of how this affects us is you're going to feel it's your fault. Oftentimes when we put people on a pedestal, that's what we're doing, right? With filial piety, we always put the elder, the parent, the authority, the teacher, the boss on a pedestal. This is toxic. It really is. It takes all the power away from the other person and gives it all to the other person. Any relationship needs to be an equal relationship. I don't mean that uh, a CEO is equal to a VP is equal to a entry-level person. But in a way, I do. Each person is considered an individual with the right to have respect and to speak up as they, as they see fit. 
I don't mean go on rants, right, and manipulate people, not that kind of speech, but you're allowed to say, you know, this is what I'd like to do with my career. I need more support here. This is too difficult. I've got too much on my plate. Those kinds of communications are absolutely appropriate. But many of us are afraid to even have these conversations because of past experiences. If you've been criticized in the past or ridiculed or humiliated or ignored in the past for speaking up, uh, or or a lot of times there's also this thing where we spoke up and people were jealous of us, that will prevent you from wanting to self-advocate. That will prevent you from wanting to advertise what you've done. So there's many, many reasons why we end up here where now we're afraid that if things go wrong, it's our fault. If you can't stay up late doing the work that your boss asks you to do instead of realizing your boss's demands are unfair and even unreasonable, you're going to blame yourself. And self-blame, self-criticism is usually the biggest roadblock that leads to stress and more stress and anxiety. You know, so many of us earned so much more than what our parents' ability was. So many of us have nicer homes. We have families and beautiful areas. But the emotional state hasn't improved a whole lot. We're still living in fear. We're still living in anxiety. We're still living in stress and fear of disappointing others. We're still living in fear of not getting validated, of feeling like we're not enough. And in that sense, we haven't grown up. Here's what I think being grown up and free means, right? When you hit 18, uh, And this experience I get from parenting my own four kids, you know, uh, three of them are 18 and above and one's 14, is there really needs to be a separation. The parent and the child is not one unit. And I see this happening in Asian culture where, you know, everything that the child does affects the parent. And the parent's like, you did this to me. You disappointed me. You ruined my life. No one can ruin your life unless you let them. But there is a very tight knit closeness between the authoritative parent and the child that the child is being choked out. The child can't breathe. The child isn't allowed to make decisions and not feel guilt and pain and embarrassment. And, and you can see this even just in, uh, in any kind of family reunion, right? We're very harsh with our words. And I used to think this was okay, but over time, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like this part of, of Chinese culture and, and other Asian cultures that just basically look at you first thing they go, wow, you're fat. I mean, really? <laughs> you know? And maybe because I have more Asian-ness or more American-ness in me, I find that offensive. Uh, one time in my life, I started to learn opera lessons. I started to take opera lessons and it was so much fun. It was also the time post-chemotherapy, so I had taken steroids and appetite enhancing drugs. I was probably 30 pounds heavier than I was in the past. And I sang for my mom and she goes, wow, is it, is it that you're able to sing so well because you've gained so much weight? I mean, that kind of garbage comment. Is that how you grew up? That, that's not okay. Those are not normal. And the reason I'm telling you this is again, we need to call out asshole behavior. I'm not saying, you know, parents or specific people are assholes, but when the behavior is like that, we need to stop tolerating that because here's why if you think that's normal you're going to have bosses and you're going to tolerate uh, friends even your own partner your children you're going to let them talk like that to you and that is absolutely not okay who wants to hear that they're a good singer because they're fat seriously that is rude 
All right. And so for many of us, our judgment, our ability to understand if behavior is mean or not is completely skewed because honestly, growing up, we've tolerated this kind of rude behavior ever since we were little, either from our relatives, our own parents, uh, the school system, whatever else. And so it's time to do a cleanse. You know how we do a cleanse for our body? It is time to do a cleanse and a reset. And you say to yourself, I no longer tolerate mean behavior, cruelty, gaslighting, criticism that's done harshly without love. I don't tolerate lies, backstabbing from anybody, even if it's my boss or a parent, even a longtime friend. And most, more specifically, I will stop doing the same things to myself. I will no longer call myself names. I will no longer blame myself for all kinds of things that aren't my fault. I don't need the validation of my boss all the time because my value, my talents, my contributions, they're not up for debate. My worth as a human being doesn't change every day depending on if someone treats me well or not. My value stays the same. I have amazing talents, skills, abilities that are valued everywhere I go, whether someone sees it or not. And I have permission to stop proving myself to those few people that I think are better than me or who I feel like I need their approval. I don't have to keep proving myself because I am good enough already. I don't want to live in fear and anxiety. I want to be motivated again and I want to design my job and my career so that it's something I really enjoy doing. It's something I'm good at and I get to strategize and lead and speak with confidence and to really be me. And when there's a problem, or when I need more support, I can speak up honestly and have people support me instead of being scared that I'll get in trouble or people will look at me and, and judge me. I deserve to work with people who are supportive, who are kind, and maybe they're hard to find, but that doesn't mean I need to be tolerating bad treatment from a boss, from a parent, from relatives over and over again because it's like having my confidence poked at and my energy leaking all the time with every interaction and I refuse to live like that anymore I've been through enough suffering in my lifetime as an Asian adult I've had my share of stress enough share of stress already and I choose to behave in a way towards myself that it's going to create joy that's going to create positivity community connection cooperation Kindness, collaboration, impact, fulfillment. I am allowed to desire those things, and I don't need to believe that suffering is more noble than living a peaceful, enjoyable life. There is no reward for suffering the most by proving yourself and needing to always feel nervous and worried what your boss is thinking 
and whether they're approving of you or not, that is a sure way to get sick emotionally and physically. And we don't need to live like that anymore. So it's time to get out of the bamboo jungle. It's time to stop denying how bad we feel and how exhausted we are by living like this. And it's time to let ourselves go free because you deserve it, ceiling breaker. And when you get to the other side, oh my goodness, you get to live. When you turn that confidence switch back on, because you were born with confidence and it got snuffed out, when you learn to turn that confidence back on, you are going to have so many possibilities and paths that will lead to excitement and passion and joy again. And you will never go back to trying to prove yourself. You've reached the end of episode 12 on filial piety and fear of authority. Next week in episode 13, we're going to talk about shame because if we come from an Asian culture, it probably is a shame-based culture, which means that you've been shamed a lot for doing things. And when we do things on purpose as children, for instance, hit or say mean things to people, yes, there is a sense of guilt and that is appropriate guilt. But when you feel ashamed all the time because of certain things in your life that weren't your fault, like you don't have a college degree or if your English isn't your first language or somehow everyone else has a master's and you don't or you have gap years in your resume, whatever that might be, that continual focus on that is the exact opposite of what you need to build your confidence and be set free to live your leadership potential. Please leave me a positive review on Spotify or Apple, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. And look for me on LinkedIn. I post every day at 11. If you want to interact with me, I will answer all comments that are posted during that time, 11 a.m. Pacific time. I look forward to meeting you and interacting with you there. I'll see you next week.